Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi there, and welcome to Scout the Game Week. Scout the Game Week is Fantasy Football Scouts' weekly podcast, brought to you by the Scout Network. In each episode, we will look back at the game week we have just played to assess what we can learn to help us in the next round of fixtures. I'm Ryan from Football Chatbox. Let's let's scout the game week. This week, I'm joined by Sam from FPL Family, uh, also the former host of this show. So, really privileged to have you on. Um, thanks so, so much for joining me today. How did Game Week 8 and the international break treat you? Oh, thanks for having me, Ryan. I actually felt really weird sitting here listening to somebody else say that intro. Um, game Week 8 was actually quite good. I mean, I went into it thinking this might be a bit of a disaster because I only had 10 players. And going into a game week where a lot of people were wildcarding and therefore had like a squad that was built really nicely for that game week made me think, oh, you know, maybe I'm I'm going to have a bit of a disaster here. But actually, it ended up being a fairly good game week. I had Kane as captain, so that was nice. It was a nice differential boost, although couldn't help but think that probably he should have had more than he did in that one. But I ended up on uh, 59 for game week eight, which actually feels like quite a nice score given that there was only 10 of them out there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. I'm looking at your team as well. Um Looks pretty. So you you said that you weren't wildcarding um in game week nine, and you're going to be wildcarding in game week thirteen. Um, the team yeah. does look pretty like set up for game week nine. I guess you're missing a couple of players, who we'll probably discuss as well um in this podcast. Um, so I'm playing my wildcard as well in game week nine. Um, so I'm looking to see what players I can get, especially from a Spurs point of view. There are a couple of players that um people want, and I've got questions as well from the community. So. We'll discuss all of that. But having said that, let's start, um, as always, then with a look back on game week um, eight. So Manchester City and Arsenal both came away with uh, 3-0 wins away from home. But now they are bottom of the fixture ticker till the end of the World Cup and have a blank in game week 12. You have a few players uh, from those teams. What is your plan with them? Who would you keep and who would you sell? Well, see, this is part of the reason why I've decided not to wildcard at this point, because like you say, I'm quite heavily invested in those two sides. I've got three Man City players, I've got two Arsenal players, and I'm looking at them thinking, particularly with my Manchester City assets, and, and to a certain extent with my Arsenal ones too, I don't really want to sell them right now. Like, I'm obviously not going to get rid of Haaland at any time soon. Um, I'm enjoying owning Cancelo at the moment. I know that, you know, he's there's a lot of chatter about whether he's the same player that he was last season. But I actually had a look back on um, the numbers for him over the last couple of seasons. And by game week seven last year, so after seven fixtures, he got 44 points. This time it's 42. So it's very little difference in terms of the, the returns that we have. And we all saw Cantelo as a must-have last year. 
I've got Edison, who I would be be prepared to sell, but then I've also got a backup goalkeeper who could come in for 12 anyway. And then the two Arsenal players. So actually, you know, there, there's a big part of me that said, if I work hard now, I can deal with all of those issues. But actually, I don't want to deal with a lot of those issues. Like, I do think there's goals for Arsenal against Spurs and against Liverpool in the next couple of game weeks. So that's part of the reason why I've decided that I'm going to hold my wild card for game week. 13 and I think by doing that that means I can effectively dead end my team going through the next few weeks so I can start to remove my Manchester City players my liver my Arsenal players and then get to a position where by game week 12 I've got a good team to get me through the blank and then of course hit that wildcard button and bring these guys back in again for game week 13. Yeah fair enough it's it's a really strong position to be in especially if you have a wildcard at that time because a lot of the top teams their fixtures turn again uh, dramatically, so it's something that a lot of us, when we work out in game week eight or game week nine, we'll be going into game week thirteen or game week twelve, especially with a couple city maybe Arsenal players in there. Then we'll probably have to remove them and bring them back again in for game week thirteen because the fixture run for City and Arsenal both are really good as well from that point onwards. Um, so good position to be in. The question is. Are you a bit worried that you might miss out on a couple of, let's say, the Leicester players, um, Crystal Palace? No, yes. Yeah, yeah, I am. I mean, I think, I think that's the thing. At the moment, I've got Jared Bowen in my team, mm. who I brought in last week on a bit of a punt. Um, it was kind of one of those positions where I wasn't yet sure whether I was going to wildcard in game week nine or whether I was going to hold it. And I thought, well, I'll just target the team that I think's got the best fixture in terms of attacking potential, and, and West Ham were right up there. So. Mm. I went with Jared Bowen, but his position is definitely not fixed in my team. I'm more than happy to not keep Bowen. Mm -hmm. And that means that I can have Zaha in that position. I can have Madison in that position. And longer term, as I look through my team, there's a lot of money in the bank with my team the way that it is at the moment, having sold Salah last time around. So I've got the money to upgrade Martinelli so I could get to Zaha from him. So by next week, I could end up in a position where I've, always, I've got Zaha and Madison in without compromising the way the rest of my team is, um, probably just by selling Bowen this week. Yep, fair enough. All right. Um, let's talk about the Spurs versus Leicester game. Um, it ended up being the Sun show, uh, but there were other players who were also an interesting talking point. Perisic played right wing back. Uh, and Madison was playing further forward as part of the front three. Uh, meanwhile, Kane continues to tick along and is now cheaper than Sun as well. Uh, probably the first time I think that has happened uh, in a long time. And so having all of those names flying about, who would you want to talk about first from that game? Well, I'm going to start with Kane because I okay. had him last yeah. week. So I had, a, I had a straight choice going into game week nine between because I was always going to use both of my free transfers. I was always going to sell Salah. So it was either go Salah to Son mm. and then have a slightly cheaper forward instead of Kane, or it was send the money from Salah up to Kane and then pick someone in the Bowen-ish price mm. bracket in the midfield. And actually, as it gone, I should have just gone Madison. But um, I decided I wanted to go with Kane for a number of reasons. One, I was more than happy to hand him the captain's armband. And mm. I think last week, I just didn't feel like I would have... Although I thought that Sun was on the edge of kind of coming back, if you like, um, I didn't feel like I would want to hand in the armband. And I wasn't keen on giving it to Haaland either last week. So Kane was more attractive from that perspective. I mean, he got the 10 points. He continued his excellent record against Leicester. I mean, he now averages 9.06 points per match against them. 18 goals, 15 appearances for him in the Premier League versus Leicester. So it's, it's an unbelievable run that he goes on against Leicester. 
Um, looking back on it now, I don't think I even really regret the decision not to go with Sun. He's so lowly owned in the game right now that it would have just been a massive differential. So yeah. rather than costing me any rank, it would have just massively boosted my overall rank, which would yeah. have been nice. However, going into that game, it did feel massively like a pun. And what I didn't want to be in a position where if he didn't return against Leicester, then I was having that kind of, I've got to make another premium swap. Whereas I feel like Kane was much more holdable. I mean, Sun now though, he seems to have kind of taken yeah. that confidence that he got in that Leicester game and run with it because you know he scored the winner for South Korea against Cameroon um you know he is 19 point haul last week which is it's his fourth biggest FPL haul ever only better by the 24 points that he got against Southampton and two 21 pointers against Villa and and Everton so it was very much uh I've been benched but I want to come on and make a difference and I think for me the interesting the interesting point to note if you want to invest in Sun is what kind of play does does Conte set Spurs out to do against Arsenal because the reason why Sun really was so effective in that game against Leicester was because of the way he played on the pitch we went back to having that kind of two man up top Mm. with Sun and Kane and he packed the midfield by putting Basuma in there which cut down Leicester's attacking play and enabled Spurs to kind of really go at it now in the game at the weekend against Arsenal we'll see if that if that kind of happens again but I think he's definitely on the radar. And if I was wildcarding, I probably would take a punt on Sun in that position. Ooh, very tempting. That. <laughs> Are uh, you thinking about it? Because you're on a wildcard. No, yeah, I'm on a wildcard. I have not this game week because I think Salah is much more of a bigger differential at the moment. Yeah. And everything I've read about Brighton's new coach, I saw Black Box as well, and As was talking about him quite a lot. And everything just screams... Brighton are going to go for it and Liverpool are just going to cut through them and it's just goals written all over it. So I'm kind of going there, but I'm thinking of a Salah, like a hokey-cokey where I take Salah out after that, bring in Sun for yeah. the game against Everton and all, so I can captain him there and then bring Salah back in in 13 or 12. Yeah. Maybe. That is, I'm thinking of that as well as a possibility. I mean, it makes that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? I think, you know, Salah is the kind of the standout for this week, really, in terms of the fixtures when you've got two derbies coming up. Mm. So it kind of takes the captaincy decision in a different direction. And if you own Salah, obviously it gives you a really nice captaincy option. He's got a great record against mm. Bryson as well. So, you know, I can understand that. I think Son is one of those players that if if you do decide that you want to go with Salah against Brighton, then the two fixtures, like you say, that follow are, are mm. difficult for Liverpool. So maybe mm. there is a, a case for making that change and kind of banking it for the longer term. Um, I think Perisic, who you mentioned earlier, is interesting though, because he's only ever started um, on the left. We saw him on the right this time. My personal view watching the game was that he was less effective on Mm. the right than he was on the left. Um, However, I do think that from an FPL perspective, it's really good for FPL managers that Conte sees him as flexible and versatile and will play him on either side of the pitch because that should give him the opportunity to secure more minutes um, at a time where, you know, th- those wingbacks definitely aren't nailed on in yeah. terms of Spurs. Like mostly it's been Perisic and Royale, but Royale's not got the ability to play every single game, particularly when we've you know, got Champions League action as well. Yeah. So, you know, yes, Doherty's there, but doesn't seem to be fully fit and able to play much of a part at the moment. So having the opportunity to move Perisic from one side to the other and utilize Ryan testing on the other side of the pitch could make him a much more interesting FPL asset, I think. Yeah, that's the thing. Like his expected minutes does go up with regards to that for Perisic. The one issue I have is now Sun's hat trick one it came against 
Ward, who is probably the worst goalkeeper I've seen at the moment in recent memory. But the mm. other thing I think is it came also with Perisic not on the pitch. Now I, whenever I watch Spurs, which has been a few times, not too many, but um, both of them seem to be occupying very similar positions, uh, which yeah. I think takes takes out from Sun, like what he's capable of doing. Um, now again, this will depend on how they approach the game against Arsenal. Um, there was rumors about Kulusevski not being fit. So then I'm not really sure whether Perisic will play on the right if, let's say, Richarlison plays on the left so that you can put those crosses in um, to Richarlison. That's something to be seen. But I just want to see because I think when Perisic plays on the left and Sun is also on the left, I feel like it reduces Sun's potential. But if Perisic was to play on the right, then I think it doesn't hamper Sun as too much. But yeah, what do you think about that? Yeah, no, I do agree with you. I think that... You know, in previous seasons when Sun's been particularly effective, it's because the wing-backs haven't really been wing-backs. They've mm. kind of delivered the ball to him mm. much much um, closer to our own goal. And then he's been the one that's kind of taking it on the adventure yeah. up towards the opposition's goal. And with Perisic on the pitch, that has been different. And I think it has been difficult for Sun to kind of find his feet in that team, particularly with Richarlison there too. Mm. I think he, uh, Sun, Kulisewski and Kane have got this kind of understanding of who's where and who's dropping whereas when Richarlison's there some was kind of like well am I supposed to drop in because mm. Perisic is on my spot on the wing Richarlison's also in my spot kind of in the center yeah. where am I and I think it has taken him quite a long time to adjust to, to the way that Spurs are going to play now but I do think that you know with Conte as a manager he loves those attacking wing backs I think he prefers to have Son mm. and Kane in that kind of more central position with the wing backs doing the running and feeding the ball into them because it keeps them higher up the pitch. So if we can get to a situation where Son understands, and I think this is the key, is it's Son understanding that that's his game now. His game has changed with the changes that Spurs have made to their personnel. Uh, and ha- hopefully, you know, that will that adjustment will happen. Now, like you say, Kulisewski's rumoured to be, have picked up a knock on international yep. break. Richarlison's been away with Brazil as well and obviously Sun's been on away with South Korea so they've all had a lot of minutes in their legs over the international break I do think that Richarlison could offer something quite interesting in the derby at the weekend because Mm. of his physicality and the way that he plays against Arsenal could be well suited the way that Arsenal play their team in that game as well probably will benefit Sun and Kane Mm. because they will attack and they will go out and play attacking football in the same way that that Manchester City do and Liverpool do don't compromise their style of play we'll play the way that is best for them. And sometimes that just allows the the Spurs attack to get yes, in behind. It fits so, it fits like Spurs' system, like in terms of a counter-attack. We saw Arsenal against United, United just counter-attacked. Same thing, I think would I I'd probably expect the same thing from Spurs as well. Yeah. Um and that could suit um the likes of Sun, who has a really great record as well against Arsenal. Um and yeah. probably Richarlison as well on the counter if Kane is able to find both of them. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. I think it will be a really interesting game. And and I think, you know, those those minutes, those 15 minutes or 13 minutes where he scored all those goals against Leicester has massively helped Son. It's made him feel more confident again. He's very much a confidence player. So hopefully now with the way that Spurs play, with the system that Arsenal will play against us at the weekend, this should benefit them. But it wasn't all just about Spurs, right? You know, there was some good performance in the Leicester side. And actually, it was only when Conte brought on Basuma that I actually felt that Spurs were guaranteed to win mm. that game because they were really coming back into it. And you mentioned Ward, 
he's been terrible. Yeah. But going forward, I thought Madison yes. had a really, really good game against us. You know, he, he's got four returns so far this season, three goals and an assist. So it's not like he's been on bad form, even when Leicester have been. He was also performing well at the back end of last season, returns in each of the last four game weeks. He averages 4.71 points per match against the newly promoted teams. He's got Nottingham Forest up next. So... I think that there's not all hope is lost, mm, I guess, mm. with Leicester. Like, I, I watched them expecting them to be de- dire, and they were, mm. particularly from corners, they were awful. But going forward, there's definitely scope for investment yeah. there. Yep, agreed. I think Madison is probably uh, probably the most priority from that Leicester side, I would say. Maybe Harvey Barnes second. If we knew what was the case with regards to their forwards, whether it's Daka or Yanacho or Vardy, we're not really sure because I think there is potential for one of them to also be like a third striker option, um, especially mm. maybe Daka or Yanacho at their price range. Uh, but yeah, that's up in the air at the moment because we don't know what Brendan Rodgers will do at the moment. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I think if you knew that one mm-hmm. of them was going to regularly start, mm. then with the fixtures the way that they are for Leicester, you'd invest. But because we don't know... And we can't be sure whether it's Dakori and Atto or Vardy. The only one that feels safe to invest in is Madison. And mm. like you say, there's Harvey Barnes is kind of lingering around in yeah. the background as a potential. But I do think for the, the, the pounds that you've got to spend yeah. on these players, Madison feels like the most, yes. the best one. Yeah, yeah. He feels like the linchpin of that team, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so now let's uh, turn our attention to game week nine. Uh, this week, we see more players play their wildcard. I've currently got mine active, like I said, um, and you've chosen to play yours in 13. Um, from a non wildcard point of view, we've touched on a few players that you're wary of. Are there any others mm-hmm. that we haven't touched on yet? I mean, Madison's the one that I'm most concerned mm-hmm. about, we've just been talking about, but he's an easy get. You know, like I mentioned, I can sell Jarrah Byrne for him. The other one is a player that, well, there's a couple of others. It's mm. a player that you've mentioned already, and that's Salah. I mean, mm. I sold Salah last week uh, to fund Kane. I am, I still have Luis Diaz in my team. So from a Liverpool attacking perspective, I feel like at least I've got somebody mm. for this game against Brighton because I, I do agree with what you were saying before about the way that they're going to play is going to be different. You know, we, we always credit Brighton as being this solid defensive unit. Mm. I still think they've got potential to be that because the personnel hasn't changed. Yeah. But they're just going to be more attacking in their style of play and that's going to have opportunities. Now, not having Salah, therefore, in a game against the team that's going to attack them makes me want to hide behind the nearest sofa. I mean, he averages 7.8 points per match against Brighton, got 18 points against them in the in the 1920 season, which is one of his biggest FPL hauls. Um, he's also been, in the years, FPL's highest ever scoring player with 303 points. There's a reason for that. So just because Salah hasn't exactly started the season brilliantly doesn't make him a bad player overnight and I think you know we saw him score on international duty as well over the last uh, couple of weeks mm. so I suspect that I will be not enjoying not owning Salah he's a big worry because I think a lot of wildcarding managers will either bring him in like yeah. you were saying bring him in this week and then transfer him out next week or think well I'm just going to try and hold him through yeah the other one that I'm kind of wary of is I, d- I don't have Ivan Tony at the minute and Tony's got Bournemouth in game week nine. I think he's going to feel incredibly frustrated about well, a number of things right now. First of all, about the result. Yeah, yeah. So, well, let's start with that. So, first of all, feel really frustrated about England, right? Gets called up for the national team and then doesn't play any minutes. That, that would be frustrating because I think he would have gone into that international break thinking, if I could get half an hour or 45 minutes and I can play well 
that might just put me back in Southgate's thinking mm. again, mm. heading into the World Cup. So I think that will frustrate him. I also think the result against Arsenal in game week eight will frustrate him as well. The Brighton, uh, sorry, Brentford were were poor against Arsenal. I mean, Arsenal played really well. We shouldn't mm. take anything away from Arsenal in that game. But but Brentford just lacked that final cutting edge. Now, Tony's the third highest scoring player in the game currently. Bournemouth have conceded 19 goals so far this season. Only Leicester have conceded more than that with 22 I think that bodes well for the Brentford attacking assets going into that game against Bournemouth. And I think given that Tony's now got a bigger point to prove about the World Cup and his seat on the plane with England, I am quite quite wary of going into this game week without him. I yeah. think he could be a really nice pick. Fair enough. Is he one you're going to get on wildcard? N- no, I haven't considered him yet. Uh, interestingly, oh, because... Uh, so... This podcast is sponsored by Paramount+. Plus where Champions League soccer is back. Nine months of heart-stopping, hold-your-breath exhilaration starts on September the 6th with the biggest stars and top teams across Europe. Watch every match from the group stage through to the knockout rounds as Benzema and Real Madrid defend their title against the likes of Liverpool, Man City, Chelsea, PSG, Barcelona and more. Don't miss a single second with Paramount Plus starting from September the 6th. Now, okay, that brings me into like the next question easily. So there's a lot of talk about goalkeepers and a third striker, third striker spot. Um, and you've mentioned Tony as one of those possibilities. Now, the reason I haven't really given him too much consideration is one, I think there isn't a standout third striker spot. Um, mm-hmm. Tony, I think a lot of people are talking about him mainly because of recent performance as well. Like the he got that stri- that haul and everything. But I don't look at Brentford and I look at I look at the fixtures and I'm like, I mean, there are possibilities for goals, but not too many. And I wouldn't expect a haul from him, like a hat trick or anything in the next couple of game weeks. And then I look at like a couple other teams. Okay, we had Isak, but then he got injured, so he's out of the question now. Callum Wilson is supposed to be wrapped in cotton wool, apparently, so he's possibly not going to be an option. Um You've got people talking about Solanke and I'm definitely not going there because I'm like, that's just a trap <laughs> waiting to happen. That's basically a Dennis uh, 21 last season one going to happen again this season. I'm like, okay, no, no, thank you. Um, I've thought about Watkins. No one's really speaking about him, but good pictures. Um, mm. I think they have a Forest and Leeds, if I'm not mistaken. So good pictures. Mm-hmm. Only Chelsea is like the hard fixture in the next five game weeks, I'm thinking. Um, so... He's one possibility. Um, the other thing is maybe just like play a 4.3 striker in Greenwood and then upgrade my defense, like get a Trent even. That's another consideration, but I haven't I haven't given it too much thought yet. It's, it's really interesting, isn't it, with this third striker spot? Because in seasons gone by, you wouldn't even think about your third striker, mm. really, would you? You just kind of get the cheapest one you can, either as a complete burner slot who just mm. sits on your bench or the cheapest playing one you can and sit them on the bench most weeks. And you never really had a position where you thought about your third striker too much. Yeah. I spend most of my life thinking about my third striker spot at the minute because there's so many options. Yeah. And so right now, my front three is Harlan, Kane and Jesus. Yeah. So I've got a lot of money invested in that front line. But I'm obviously conscious that at some point between now and game week 12, I'm going to sell Jesus. So then that third striker spot question comes up again. And there's... Mm. there's a few different ways that I look at it. It's feasible to go with somebody in the Tony Mitrovic Watkins price bracket. Mm-hmm. Pick somebody like that. Watkins does have nice fixtures, but Aston Villa are in really bad form. Mitrovic is 
always returning, but then there's those pictures of him with the ice pack attached to his yes, ankle and I've there's that, that kind of playing out. Um, and then there's Tony, who I think is really nice for this game week, but then the fixtures, like you say, are a little bit mixed yeah. after that. But all three of them could be potentially good third striker options. Then you've got Solanke, who I can sort of buy into the hype on this one because you don't have to play him. Like You don't have to play him every week. You can sit him on the bench for 99% of the time and not worry about him. And in the time that you do want him, which is in game week 12, when the other players are blanking, he plays Southampton, which is a nice fixture to have in that one. But I mean, when you look at his underlying stats, Bournemouth are the worst team in the league for expected yep. goals. They're yet to get an XG of over one in any of the games yep. that they've played so far this season. He's not even in there... Um, He's not even had a big chance so far this season. So it really is a punt. Like if you're going to go with Solanke, it's a punt. But at 5.7 million, he's almost in that burner slot price. So See, you uh, don't really need to worry. Yeah. So I've th- thought about that. But like now this, the stats are one of the main reasons why I don't really want to go there because it's like, it's just like, Bournemouth haven't convinced me to do anything that requires no. playing. And then the next question is like, if you're going to bench him for most of the week and you're going to play him only like one game week, you could just might as well just get Greenwood and use that money elsewhere because like 4.3 to 5.7, there's a quite a bit of gap there where you can use that money elsewhere and then that could be the difference between a 5 million defender and maybe a Trent. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm toying it up because the value that you have stored in him, you could be using it elsewhere to gain more points during mm. the other game weeks and then you could probably take a hit if you wanted for that one specific game week. But yeah, I mean, it's interesting. It's interesting, though, isn't it? Because so they've got Brentford next, who defensively yeah. haven't been that solid so far this season. So arguably, you could play Solanke in that one if you wanted to. Then it's Leicester, who have been awful defensively. Yeah. And whenever there's a corner, they're basically giving away a penalty. So Solanke could be good in that one. Then it's Fulham. Well, again, they're not exactly been defensively that solid so mm. far this season. And then it's the game against Southampton when you really would want him yeah. because everyone else is banking. So... I think the, the thing I quite like about Sananke is the flexibility that he brings. You can play him if mm. you need to, if the way your team is structured, but you also could bench him because he's in that price point and you could have him for that game where you need him. I do agree with you. I think if you can afford to justify spending um, a little bit more money and have yeah. somebody like Tony or Mitrovic or Watkins, that it's probably a safer bet. But I do think if you're going in with the likes of Harlan and Kane, then maybe yeah. having Solanke in that third spot. And this is where I am, because I want to keep Harlan and Kane. Yeah. So if I want to keep those two, then having Solanke as that cheaper third striker almost feels better because that allows me that budget to, like you say, make sure that my defence is solid, mm. make sure that I've got enough money invested in the midfield. Whereas if I take Solanke up to, say, Tony that additional money is is then money I can't have across yeah. the rest of my squad. From your point of view, I kind of agree uh, somewhat, but I'm thinking like, so a lot of managers, other managers, like myself as well, I've got Haaland and Mitrovic. And Mitrovic mm. is like that second striker slot. And then the question is, who is the third striker? Now, I have toyed with the fact of maybe keeping Jesus, but mm. the problem is he is on the tightrope. So one more yellow card, which I think might come in the North London derby, and then you are forced <laughs> into a change. Um, yeah, yeah. So I don't really want to risk that. Um, so no, that, I, I don't know. Yeah, so it's still question marks, question marks. I'm not really sure. I'll probably be playing it's around with it. As well, but you've also got the Darwin Nunez factor yes, as well. Yes, that's that something else as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, because, you know, at some point I'm sort of thinking if I hold Jesus for this game week against Spurs, because I do think he could score against us in the derby, they're always high scoring, tends to be the the home team that wins. So, and I would bank on Jesus being part of any goals that Arsenal scores. So if I want to keep him for this, it gives me an opportunity also to then watch what's happening at Liverpool, because Mm. obviously if Nunez becomes the player that we kind of all sort of thought he Mm. might be at the beginning before he started getting sent off and there was all drama. um, If he goes into being this kind of consistent player, then those Liverpool fixtures actually after the couple of difficult ones they've got coming up, they turn nice for game week 12. So being able to shift Jesus to Nunez might actually be a really nice option. But again, it keeps a lot of money up top. So I, the, the third striker is just really contentious because you either go big and heavy and you invest really big up top or I think you could have one of those three that we've mentioned in Mitrovic, Tony mm. and, and Watkins or, or or go further down and go with Solanke mm. or like you say, just have a burner spot. But if yeah. you do the burner spot, you've got to think about the implications for game week 12. Yeah, that's the thing. That's true. Um, so I think this is this is something that we'll be thinking about <laughs> until or especially while Carlos will be considering until the deadline. Uh, goalkeepers, have you thought about any? Now, obviously, you've got Edison and it's completely fine. But if you were, let's say, in a wildcarding situation, there's been a lot of talk about, okay, Pope is probably the best option. But if you wanted to go down, then there's talk about Guaita at 4.5. Mm. Um Good fixtures, but stats-wise, they are probably pretty bad. I think they've considered the most big chances um, in the last six game weeks as well. Um, you've got mm. Fabianski, who is another possibility. You've got who, who, and West Ham have improved defensively as well. I think they are top. If you look at last six game weeks, they're top uh, for expected goals conceded, non penalty. Um, you've got Wolves, who have a mixed bag of fixtures. Um, then there's the possibility of maybe playing the double Chelsea keeper option with Kepa and um, Mendy because we don't know who's going to really start right now. Um, so there are a couple of options in goalkeeper and this, this seems like a lot of people can't really decide on who to go for. Mm. <laughs> it's interesting, isn't it? Because obviously I'm going to have an issue with Edison in game week 12. Mm. And beyond game week 12, I'm also thinking, do I want to be doubled up defensively on Man City or would I rather have another Man City attacking player at that point? Um, I'm happy to hold Edison for now, and but he's probably one that towards game week 12 will be changed out for somebody else. Now, the way that I see it at the moment, there's kind of a few options. If you look at the premiums, I don't see any of them as being that attractive in this run of no. fixtures that we've got coming up. Ramsdale's got Spurs, Liverpool and a blank in the next four. Edison's got United, Liverpool and a blank in the next four. Lloris has got a flag on him and there's yeah. Arsenal and United in the next four. Alisson, Arsenal and City in the next four. So none of them are really jumping out as being worth spending premium, premium price tags on yeah. because I don't see that many clean sheets for them. So then you've got another option, which is, well, let's just go in at the cheaper end and I think you keep Ward as your second yeah. because that makes a lot of sense. You know, he is the first child for... He is the first choice for, more, for the moment. It was really hard to say at Leicester at the moment. I mean, if he's not, if, if um, Daniel Everson takes over, then you want even cheaper first choice yeah. option. But he seems to be persevering with Ward for now. When you look at the other teams that are kind of up the top, so I sorted the Fancy Football Scout fixture ticker by difficulty by defence. Mm. So players like uh, Neto at Bournemouth, mm. Goethe at Palace, Ward at Leicester, and then when fit, and we need to wait for press conferences to just be sure about this, but Pickford yes. at Everton all have really nice fixtures. I have considered that Obviously, as well. Obviously, 
Yeah, and so Pickford is the one that kind of... So Gaeta, I think, is the obvious pick of yeah. those ones. He's the one I would trust the most. I think Paris have the nicest fixtures. I think defensively, they're looking a lot better. Mm. They've had really difficult matches to start the season. Like They've played against teams that have put in a lot of uh, attacking uh, threat. So I think Gaeta's stats maybe are slightly skewed negatively because of the players and the teams that he's played against. Mm. But I look at Pickford and I look at Everton and a few weeks ago, if you'd have said to me, Sam, you're going to sit on a podcast and say Pickford, I'd have actually laughed in your face. However, I think that there's a couple of things that play with Pickford here. One, that he got injured at the wrong moment. So he's not played on international mm. duty for England. Now, I think Pope's mistake in the game against Germany that cost England the yep. win in that game probably puts Pickford back at the top of the pile to start probably in the does. World yep. Cup. But yep. nonetheless... Pickford's still got some competition from Pope going into the World Cup. So he's going to have to prove himself again. Mm. Everton have got really nice fixtures. And those really nice fixtures run all the way through until the unlimited transfer window. So you haven't necessarily got to stick with him for the whole season. Because, of course, come game week 16 or 17, you can just shift him out again. So I think for me, if I was punting on goalkeepers right now, I'd either go with Gaeta and Ward or, depending upon what Lampard says in the press conferences about Pickford's availability for this weekend, I'd go Pickford and Ward. Mm. I have toyed with the fact of uh, Pickford and Begovic combo as well, just for mm. safety reasons. Um, because Pickford is really good on uh, baseline as well for bonus, uh, yeah. which screams potential... Hall potent like hall possibilities in some games. Um, the other thing is I've seen rumors of Guaita could possibly get dropped for Johnston. Uh, there's been talk about that as well. Um, so I don't want to be in a situation for me at least where both my keepers get dropped and then I have to make a keeper transfer. Um, That's so. true. I also think you know we 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 laugh at the Everton defense a lot as FPL managers mm. because they haven't been solid. But they've made some really good signings defensively mm. this season. I know that they're going to be without Patterson now for four to five weeks, but Tarkowski's been a bit of a triumph mm. since mm. he's arrived at the club. So, you know, defensively, I, I, I think it's very hard to invest Everton going forwards because yeah. they're not showing much in that in that part of the pitch, but they are looking more solid defensively. And I do think that at the moment, when you're talking about 4.5 goalkeepers, as your first choice goalkeeper, you're not necessarily expecting them to bring home six points every week. No. But with Pickford, like you say, you can get some save points and bring home three or four points. Yeah. And if he's doing that on a weekly basis, he's probably going to return better if fit and available than our premiums are with the fixtures that they have coming up right yep, now. Yep, yep, yep. Probably agreed. Yep. Uh, okay. Um, let's talk captaincy. So this week, I would expect most to go with Harlan, but I feel like there's also other options like Salah or Madison, who could be decent captaincy options. Who will mm-hmm. your armband be on? Ah, so if I had Salah, yeah. I'd, ca- I'd captain him. I don't. So that basically gives me a few options. So there's Kane, who mm. scored more goals in London derbies than any other Premier League player. 13 of those have come in 15 outings against Arsenal. We've got 13 points against them last season. However, it's at the Emirates and they tend to win yeah. games at the Emirates against us. So... I think he's an option, but probably not one I'll hand it to. Then there's Madison. I think he's interesting. It comes down to if we actually trust Leicester, whether we can hand him the armband. He's already a differential. He's only owned by just over 6% of the mm. game. So you don't have to captain him in order yeah. to, to make him you know, a yeah. good option. He, you know, he, He's going to help you anyway. Of course, if he then does bang and you've captained him, then your jump yeah. in the overall rank is, is massive. 
I think probably I'm going to Captain Harland. I do slightly fancy a little bit of a cheeky differential punt on Luis Diaz just to be invested a bit more heavily in that Liverpool game yep. against Brighton because I am expecting Brighton to go out there and attack Liverpool, which Mm-mm. could be football suicide, but yep. let's find out. Um, but probably I'll play it safe and, and Captain Harland this week, boringly enough. Fair enough. I'm probably going Salah. I'm just going to trust my manager in Ten Hag. Yeah. I hope he can do something. Uh, but we'll see. I, I, I have Harland, but... I don't know. It feels like Salah has higher haul potential than uh, Haaland. Mm. And you ideally want to say captain the player who you think scores the most. Yeah. So I'm going to trust that. Ignore EO for this week and see what happens. <laughs> maybe I go up, maybe I go down. We'll see. Um, Salah's never a bad captain choice. No, it's not. Right? Yeah. It's, he'll be good. Uh, okay. Next one is, are there any differentials who you think would perform great this weekend, who managers could sign to help them climb up the ranks? I mean, we talked about Madison a lot, yeah. but he remains a differential, yeah. so we won't talk about him too much. So there are other players out there that I think are quite interesting. So there's obviously Bamford playing mm. against uh, Aston Villa side who have been very bad mm. defensively so far this season. And he averages 5.25 points per match against Villa. So he could be a nice option. He's only owned by 0.4% of the game. So if you are talking about, and he's someone we didn't mention in the third yeah. striker category but if you do want to take a bit of a punt on somebody then maybe Bamford or teammate Harrison he's owned by 4.7% of the game um Harrison is Leeds' highest scoring player so far this season apart from injured Rodrigo so Harrison's got the form Bamford's maybe got the history against Villa but both of them could be nice options this time around I was having a little look at just kind of out there picks who who might do well and I was looking at Brighton and thinking if I was invested in Brighton attack would I sell them going into this week and I think because I think a lot of wildcarding managers are doing that mm. but Trossard's record against Liverpool is ridiculous so he's returned in four of his six Premier League meetings against Liverpool averaging five points per match and he's never failed to score or assist at Anfield so I probably think he could be a nice differential this time around Liverpool defensively not great Collected 32 points so far this season, owned by 3.5% of the game. If you have Trossard in your team, don't sell him this week. I think he could be a really nice differential. Interesting. That is something we'll have to wait and see. I will, I, Because <laughs> um, I know a lot of people had uh, Brighton assets before this, but mm. before even the game week eight wildcard. So I'm expecting most wildcarders to sell because of the fixtures that are upcoming. But for those who aren't wildcarding, yeah. I think it could be a pretty good differential. Hmm. I'm just if you're not wildcarding this yeah. week and you're looking at your team thinking where's my weakest point based on the fixtures your weakest point would be the Brighton attackers yeah. but actually the underlying stats for Trossard against Liverpool suggest that maybe he's not mm. the weakest part of your team and maybe might be just one that you want to hold for another week yeah, yeah just for this enough. game to see what happens yep yeah, fair enough uh, and then finally to wrap it up we have some quick questions from the committee so we've got three from mm. the, um, this is from Pete FPL Sidelet uh, and he says, what's it like hearing someone else's, uh, the iconic Let's Scout the Game Week like? It's weird. Uh, to be fair, I listen every week. Every time it's out, I listen to it. And every time it comes on, I expect to hear my own voice. Yeah. So it is always weird when I hear you say it. But it's actually really nice. I, I mean, it's a podcast that I, I always loved recording Scout the Game Week. And when work got really, really hectic and I was like, I'm, I just haven't got, I can't commit to it. And so I popped a, a message out. When you said you'd do it, I was like, oh, brilliant. That means it will kind of continue. So yeah. it is weird, Pete, but it's also really nice because it's, it's, a, it's a great podcast. It's great that it continued. Yep. Thank you. Uh, and then Bright uh, on Twitter has asked, Sun or Kane? 
Oh, um, this is tough. I think yeah. based on a couple of things, I'd go Kane. Simply one, I think he's more captainable most mm. weeks than Sun is, given the form at the moment. Plus, he's cheaper. Um, but I do think if you're if you're chasing in your mini leagues, if you are desperate to climb up the overall rank quicker then a cheeky punt on Sun. Mm. I just want to see how Spurs perform because yeah. we might see a change in system again against Arsenal based on injuries and stuff like that. So let's see whether Sun plays in that kind of spot up top with Kane, which is where he's best suited. Yeah. If he stays there, then he's a, probably the best investment. But if he starts to drop and move again, then Kane's a better long-term yeah. hold. Yeah, fair enough. Agreed. Uh, and then finally, from Brett, FPL Shake and Bake. And he said, as a Spurs fan, what's the best route in, into their defense? Wingbacks seem uh, boom or bust and have rotation risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, centerbacks seem to be plodding along, picking up points, but more secure in playing time. This is a good question because Spurs are one of the top teams for clean sheet odds, I think, in the next, like until the World Cup. They're like fourth or something, I think, for odds. It's really interesting because I... so. Even talking about Parisic at the beginning, like we did, I don't think I could ever feel comfortable investing there mm. because I do worry about his minutes around the Champions League, even now with the scope to go to the other side. I really like Sessignon, but his minutes are going to be cha- changed about depending upon what happens with Parisic. For me, if I was going to invest in the Spurs defence, I think I'd either go with Lloris in goal, if fit and available, mm. we need to see what happens there. My preferred pick is Eric Dyer, And mm. I, I keep talking about Eric Dyer. For the last few weeks, I've been banging on about Eric Dyer. And then when he scored against Leicester, I actually lost the plot. Like I went running around my house and Lee was like, you are joking me. Because I told Lee to get Eric Dyer on his wildcard in game week eight. And he laughed and was like, nobody's buying Eric Dyer. There's no attacking threat. And then he went and scored a goal. Um, so I think for me, he would be the one I would go to. He's, you know, he's slightly cheaper than Perisic. So it's not going to, and he's not going to give you, like don't expect a 15 point haul out of Eric Dyer. But I would expect playing every minute. And I would expect clean sheets to regularly come, given the fixtures that we've got coming up. And he is on some set pieces. He goes up and takes some free kicks. And of course, he's always in the box for those corners. And the corners have been really good this year. Like we're putting in way better balls with Perisic and Son. So uh, yeah, weirdly, Eric Dyer is my preferred mm. preferred choice in the Spurs defence. I think um, Brett's son would agree with you because I remember Brett telling me that he son got Eric Dyer in. I think this was game week one. Uh, and he scored, um, and he yep. was going to put the arm. His son was going to put the armband on Eric Dyer, but then Brett talked him out of it. So, oh no! Yeah, uh, but I think he still has Eric Dyer, so he'll probably agree with you. Yeah, I mean, I I just like the fact that he's cheap. You don't mm. mind benching him. Yeah. Um, but he'll always come on if you need him because yeah. he's going to start. And yeah. you know, like you say, Spurs are looking a lot better defensively, and the fixtures look nice for clean sheets. So investing in the Spurs defense does make a lot of sense, and. I think I would I'd want to go for security, but also have some attacking threat there. So just want security, then it's Larice at the in goal. But if you want security and some additional potential, then go die. Yep, fair enough. Agree. Um, so thank you for the, for your time today, Sam. Uh, do you have anything to plug? Oh, always things to plug. Um, so the official FPL podcast. I'm doing those every week this season. That will be out tomorrow. Um, so get your ears around that when it comes out. I'm also going to be doing the Q&A as usual on the Fantasy Football Scout channel tomorrow with us at 12 o'clock. And then Lee and I will be back as usual on Sunday on the FPL Family channel at 8.30. Sweet. Thank you. Um, so that's it for this week's Scout the Game Week. I'll be back next time to look back on Game Week 9.